All right, we are continuing our series of sermons looking at the book of Proverbs. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be considering what this book of wisdom has to teach us about authority. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about submitting to authorities over us. Next week, we'll look at uh, stewarding authority that we have over others. Looking first today at our submission to authority, and we're going to look at this in kind of three phases. Y'all are so much closer than I'm used to here, it's making me a little uncomfortable. Um, But we're going to look first of all at our submission to God's authority, uh, then our submission to human authority, and finally, our submission to human authorities as an act of submission, ultimately to God's authority. And all of these are kind of covered in Proverbs and then expounded in the rest of Scripture. So first of all, Let's consider what the book of Proverbs says about submitting to the authority of God. Uh, Once again, we return to the opening chapter of this book after a very short introduction uh, to this book of wisdom. The key principle really in all of the book of Proverbs is given in Proverbs 1 verse 7, which says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So in a sense, all of Proverbs is all about submitting to the authority of the Lord. It's a book that assumes the reader is trying to live a life that is pleasing to God. A good example of this was from last week when we talked about uh, the subject of honesty in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs acknowledges that from a strictly human, materialistic uh, mindset, it may help you at times to be dishonest. You may become wealthy through dishonest means. And yet Proverbs says a wise person will resist that temptation and maintain their integrity because honesty invites the favor of God into your life. And so if my main goal, the driving motivation of my life, is the fear of the Lord, seeking to glorify my God, then I'm going to live with integrity. And so the fear of the Lord is is central to the logic of the book of Proverbs. All of the principles that we've looked at are outworking that basic mindset. That's where it has to start. And that's why it's stated right here at the very beginning of the book of Proverbs, that uh, the beginning of knowledge, the starting place of all wisdom, is fearing the Lord. Fundamental to living a wise life is humbling yourself before God and seeking to please Him. We're not going to take time to read through all of it uh, as we've looked at it before, but later in that first chapter of Proverbs, wisdom invites the simple to choose the fear of the Lord and to find true life in that path. And throughout Proverbs, choosing to fear the Lord is compared to the tree of life, an image straight from Genesis chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden. We each face that same choice that Adam and Eve did. We can submit to God's authority and choose the tree of life, Or we can rebel against God and become our own gods, defining good and evil on our own terms and rejecting what God has said about what is good and evil. That's what it means to sin. Every sin is an act of rebellion. We're rejecting what God has said and choosing what we want to do instead. And consistently throughout Proverbs, we're told that true life and blessing comes to the person who lives in obedience and submission to the authority of God over him, whereas destruction and death are the results of a person who rebels against God and rejects his authority. For example, Proverbs 13, verse 13 says, whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. Now, there's some debate about this, but most 
Uh, Hebrew commentators on this passage believe the reference there to the word or the commandment is talking about the Torah, the law of God, the Old Testament. That would have been their scriptures. Revering the commands of God is no different than fearing God himself. Uh, Because if we live in the fear of the Lord, we are fearing his commands. If we respect God as our authority, then that means we're going to obey what he has said to us. And so despising the word of God brings destruction on yourself. We'll see consistently throughout Scripture, all the way again back to the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve rejected God's commands and disobeyed him, when they rejected God's authority over them, they brought destruction onto themselves. They were banished from the garden. They brought the curse of sin upon the world. They brought suffering, disease, and death upon themselves and all humanity after them. And though your choices in life may not bear that kind of worldwide consequences, for you individually, the results are the same. Choose to submit to God and live, or choose to rebel against your Creator and be destroyed. Proverbs 19, verse 16 says this uh, quite clearly. Whoever keeps the commandment keeps his life. He who despises his ways will die. And that phrase again, despises his ways, I take to mean despising the path of obedience to God. His ways are set forth for us in Scripture. And so submission to God is a central theme throughout the book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the mindset we start with in our pursuit of wisdom. And then from that posture of submission to the authority of God, we read his words and we obey them. And in so doing, we find the path of wisdom and true life. Remember, as you read scripture, that these are God's words to us. These are his commands. Submitting my life to God, living in the fear of the Lord, means I am submitting to what he has said in his word. We cannot claim to fear God while rejecting what he has said, refusing to submit to his words to us. So that's submission to God. All throughout Proverbs, again, that's the underlying theme of the book, submitting our lives to God. Now let's see what Proverbs says about submission to human authorities, and then we'll bring the two together and see how they fit. Proverbs 19, verse 12 says, A king's wrath is like the growling of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass. Now this is a principle that we all understand. Being on good terms with those in authority over you will help you in life. Uh, Whereas having someone in authority over you who is angry with you has a potential to end really poorly, poorly like when a lion attacks you, like really badly. That's something, again, we all intrinsically understand. We've all likely had these experiences, both sides of this. You've been on good terms with someone in authority over you, a teacher, an employer, whatever, and you've probably been on bad terms with someone in authority over you too. If nowhere else, we've probably all experienced this growing up with our parents. Uh, When mama ain't happy, well, It's kind of like a growling lion. Uh, This analogy, again, is used in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 2, which says, The terror of a king is like the growling of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger forfeits his life. So provoking the anger of someone in power over you can be disastrous. Proverbs 16, verse 14, A king's wrath is a messenger of death, and a wise man will appease it. In the light of the king's face, there is life, and his favor is like the clouds that bring spring rain. So all of these Proverbs are making the same basic point. 
You shouldn't just submit to authority because it's the right thing to do. You should submit to human authorities because life will go better for you if you learn to gain the favor of those who are in authority over you. Strive for peace. Strive for favor with your leaders. This is what wisdom looks like. Proverbs 17, verse 11. An evil man seeks only rebellion, and a cruel messenger will be sent against him. Wise people are not rebellious. Now, there may be times in which you shouldn't obey someone in authority over you. We're going to cover those exceptions in a minute. But in general, Christians ought to submit to the authorities in our lives. We should not have a rebellious spirit, hating your boss at work, hating the police, hating our leaders in government, hating our parents, just despising anyone who is in authority over us. This is a perennial problem that certainly is alive and well today, a general disdain for any human authorities. It's evil, Proverbs says, that attitude of rebellion. Now, there are some areas of life in which you have some say in who your authorities are, and we should be grateful for that freedom, especially in America. We have far more uh, liberty in this area than in many parts of the world. For example, I can choose where to work. Uh, in fact, some of you know, a few months ago, I made a change at my secular job. I didn't see eye to eye with my employer on several things. We had a few civil conversations about that. I realized it wasn't going to change, so I got another job. And I did my best, even there, to leave on very good terms with my old employer. I didn't want to be disrespectful on my way out. I don't want to be the kind of employee who badmouths the boss to everybody else at work. I would rather leave and just go work for someone else that I can respect and submit to uh, more uh, respectfully. And that's exactly what you're doing when you get a job. You are choosing to submit to that person as your employer. And I'm thankful that I have the freedom to kind of decide who that person is going to be. Uh, there's other areas of life in which you may have some say. For example, we can vote on who our political leaders are. We have some say in who those people will be. Uh, ladies can choose their husbands. Uh, churches can choose their pastors. You as a member can choose what church you're going to be a part of. So there's freedom in a lot of these areas of life to decide which authorities I'm going to willingly submit myself to. But some people, even with that freedom, just have this rebellious attitude. And so in all of those areas of life, they struggle with submission. All of us at times will struggle with submission to some authorities because human authorities are unjust. They're sinners. But that's a different thing than having what Proverbs 17 here talks about, this rebellious spirit seeking only rebellion. This is the kind of person that struggles with any and all authorities in his life. I know I have that tendency. Uh, perhaps some of you do as well. A natural resistance to any human telling me what to do. And here's a principle that I think will help uh, people like me and maybe people like you who struggle with submission to authority. And this is where we get to part three of the sermon. We've talked about submitting our lives to God. That's kind of the underlying current of Proverbs, living in the fear of the Lord. We've talked about submission to human authorities in our lives, seeking to gain their favor rather than having a rebellious attitude against them and incurring their anger. Now, let's see how submission, uh, submitting to human authorities is ultimately an act of submission to God. Proverbs 24, verses 21 and 22. My son, 
Fear the Lord and the king. Do not join with those who do otherwise, for disaster will arise suddenly from them, and who knows the ruin that will come from them both. Notice in these verses how closely connected God and the king are. Fear the Lord and the king. And the ruin that comes on those who rebel, you notice at the end of verse 22, will come from both the king and the Lord. And so I think the implicit concept here is that by submitting to human authorities, we are submitting to God's authority. In other words, living in the fear of the Lord, submitting my life to God, includes submitting to the human authorities that God has placed over me. So here's kind of the big idea. God has ultimate authority over each one of us. He has authority over every area of our lives. That's what it means to be a Christian, that I'm submitting my life to the Lord. He is my Lord. He is my master. I am his servant. So he has total authority over all of my life. And under God, he has placed other human authorities over me. Now, none of those human authorities have ultimate authority over my life. Their authority is limited. They might have authority in one area of life, but not in another. Uh, For example, my manager at work has the rightful authority under God to tell me what to do when I'm at work, but he can't tell me how to live my personal life. He can't tell me what to do with my free time or, or whatever. He can't tell me things outside of his scope of authority. The government has authority over how I drive and how I pay taxes and those types of things, but even there, Their authority is limited. There are limits on all human authorities. Only God has total authority over every area of life. But God has delegated to human beings some of that authority over us in certain spheres and within limits. We're going to explore that more in a minute. Uh, But first, just to confirm we're on the right track here, let's quickly skim through four passages from the New Testament that teach this same concept about submitting to authority. And I think you'll see in each and every one of these, we are instructed as Christians to view our human authorities as under God's authority. That submitting to them as a Christian is ultimately an act of submission to God. First, we begin with the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 20. Beginning with verse 19, the scribes and chief priests sought to lay hands on him at that very hour, for they perceived that he had told this parable against them, but they feared the people. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be sincere, that they might catch him in something he said so as to deliver him up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor. So these these are people who have it out for Jesus. They're trying to trip him up in his words. Verse 21, they asked him, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? So this is a question of authority. They're asking Jesus whether or not Rome has authority over them, whether they should be uh, required to pay taxes to the Roman government or not. Now, their situation was a little different than ours. They were being occupied by the Romans, and they weren't an independent and free nation the way that we are. Thus, the question makes a little bit more sense in their context. But uh, we don't need to get into all of those complexities for now to understand the overall point of Jesus' answer. Look at verse 23. But he perceived their craftiness, and he said to them, Show me a denarius, that would be a coin, so picture a quarter or something, 
Whose likeness and inscription does it have? They said, Caesar's. So just like, you know, today we've got, uh, who's on the quarter? George Washington. Uh, in those days, the Daenerys, the coins in the Roman government, they had Caesar's face and his name on the coins. Verse 25, he said to them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. We've talked about this before, but essentially Jesus is saying here, render to Caesar the thing that bears his image, his likeness. That would be the coin. So yes, pay your taxes. And in so doing, Render to God the thing that bears his image, which is you. You as a human being are an image bearer of God. Therefore, your life belongs to him. Submit to God in everything, including paying taxes to Caesar, submitting to the authority that the Roman government has over you. So right there in Jesus' response, he doesn't just say, yes, submit to the the government and pay your taxes. He says that, but he says something more than that that ultimately there's a connection between submission to human authorities and submission to God. Next, Romans 13. Paul writes, beginning with verse 1, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For, so here comes the reason you should do this, there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So right from the start, Paul points to God's authority over our lives as the basis, <clears throat> the reason for our submission to human authorities. We submit to them because God instituted them. God gave them authority over us. So then submitting to their authority is ultimately an act of submission to God. Verse 2, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment. Meaning, if you resist the human authority that God has placed over your life, if you rebel against them, you are rebelling against God. Verse 3, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who cares, carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Uh, because, for because, because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. And so again, there's the idea here of submitting to the human authorities in your life, but doing so ultimately out of submission to God. Now, this idea d doesn't just apply to paying taxes, you know, following traffic laws or something like that, just the laws of the government. It does apply there, but the application is far broader. <clears throat> <clears throat> excuse me, submission to any human authority in your life as a Christian should ultimately be done as an act of worshipful submission to God. Peter makes the very same point that Paul makes and the very same point that Jesus makes. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he starts with this concept again in relation to the government authorities, but then he broadens it out to include other areas of life in which we are called to submit to human authorities. And he affirms exactly what Jesus said in Luke 
and exactly what Paul said in Romans, that submitting to these humans that God has placed over us is ultimately an act of submission to God himself. 1 Peter 2, beginning with verse 13, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. So right there, there it is, be subject to these humans and notice why we are to do this for the Lord's sake. Submit to them ultimately as an act of submission to God. Verse 15, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. So we honor and submit to the government leaders as an act of service to God. Verse 18 then, here comes the broadening application of this principle. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Notice that phrase, mindful of God. Uh, what he's talking about here, the servant-master relationship the closest parallel we would have today would be the employee-employer relationship. And so the application to us would be submit and be subject to your employer with all respect, not just to the good bosses, but also to the unjust ones. And we do this and we endure this while being mindful of God. And that's hearkening back to the very beginning of the passage where Peter says, submit to them for the Lord's sake. So I should submit to my boss at work thinking of God, understanding my submission to this man as an act of submission to my Lord. Now, we won't read the rest of chapter 2 here, but Peter goes on talking about this submission to earthly masters. And then in verse 1 of chapter 3, he transitions to talking about authority and submission within the home. First Peter 3, verse 1, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word, by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Notice again, at the beginning of verse 1, the word likewise. So just like you submit to the government for the Lord's sake, just like you submit to your boss at work, being mindful of the Lord, in the same way, likewise, wives should submit to their husbands for the Lord's sake. You should view your submission to his authority over you ultimately as an act of submission to God. Now here are Two very practical applications of this. You might be wondering, why are you going on about this point? We get it. Uh, here's two very simple, and, and, and for me anyway, uh, radically altering ways of viewing submission to authority because of this principle. Next time you're struggling to submit to an authority, remind yourself of what your motivation as a Christian should be. In other words, I'm not doing this for them. I'm doing this as an act of submission and worship to my Lord. And that sometimes will be just what you need to sort of get through the sticking points. When you're really struggling to submit to whoever that authority is over you, just remember, you're not doing this for them. You're doing this ultimately as an act of worshipful submission to God. Here's another practical application of this principle. Submit to authorities regardless of whether or not they deserve it. 
Peter says this explicitly, be respectful and submissive, not only to the good, gentle masters, but also to the jerks. Wives, submit not only to Christian godly husbands, if you're blessed to have that, but even if your husband isn't even a Christian, Peter says. If he's not obedient to the word, if he's not a Christian, still win him to Jesus by submitting and respecting his authority in the home. By the way, this is true of the government as well. We don't just submit to good leaders. Nero was the emperor when Peter and Paul wrote these letters. He's the guy who killed Christians and persecuted the church and all of that. And so it's not about whether the person is worthy of my respect, whether they deserve my submission. It's about submitting to God and living my life in obedience to him. I fear God, and that's why I submit to the people he has placed over me. It's not about them. It's ultimately about him. One more passage that ties all of this together. Colossians 3, verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Here's another application of this same principle. Kids, should submit to their parents. And notice again, ultimately, because it pleases the Lord. You submit to them as an act of submission to God. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, notice, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Jesus. Every time that you and I joyfully and respectfully submit to human authorities that God has placed in our lives, we are serving the Lord Jesus. We are demonstrating our allegiance and worship of God. Uh, for sake of time, and because it's making basically the same point as all these other passages, we're going to skip Ephesians 5, but if you wanted another scriptural proof of this same point, you can jot that one down and look at it later. Ephesians 5, again, uh, goes through this same concept of authority and submission and grounds it ultimately as submitting to God's authority over us. So this is incredibly practical. This should affect everything about our lives. This should affect how you drive on your way home today and you think about those traffic laws that you disagree with. Uh, this should affect how you go to work tomorrow. This should affect how you file your taxes in a few months. This should affect family life. This should affect how you submit in every area of life that we're called to submit in. All of it should be done ultimately as worship to God. Not just fear of punishment, not just some sort of duty to get a paycheck or whatever the other, other motivation may be, we should live as servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should live day by day in the fear of the Lord. And when that is your motivation, your submission to human authorities is better. Now, quickly, let's talk about when you should disobey human authorities. It might sound like I'm contradicting everything that I've said to this point, uh, but hold on. If I'm supposed to view my submission to human authorities in my life as an act of submission to God, shouldn't I always obey them no matter what they tell me to do? And the answer is no, because their authority over you, while legitimate and while ordained by God, 
is limited. So here are two times to disobey human authorities in your life. And we'll probably end up talking more about this on Wednesday, I suspect. We'll get into more detail then. But here are the two times when disobedience to human authorities is the right thing to do. First of all, when they get outside of their sphere of authority. So when they're trying to command you in an area of life that they don't have authority over. Again, if my boss at work tried to tell me what to do in my personal life, I don't have to obey that. If the government tries to tell me, uh, you know, or to tell you as a parent how you are, what you are allowed and not allowed to teach your children, well, they don't have that authority. Uh, within the home, the parents have authority given to them. Within the workplace, the boss has, has authority. And so within these certain limited spheres, they have legitimate authority. They don't have total authority over all of your life. By the way, let me also mention here that pastors sometimes get really off base on this too. Some of you maybe have had a pastor in your life who tried to tell you what college to go to and what job to take and who to marry or whatever. Uh, pastors don't have that kind of authority. Pastors don't have the right to dictate to you how to live your life in every area. My authority as a pastor begins and ends with what Scripture says. I can make decisions and lead the church in some ways. I understand I've been kind of appointed to do that. But I can't tell you as an individual how to live your life outside of what the Bible says about how you are to live your life. I'm supposed to be a spokesman for God, teaching you what the Bible says, calling you to follow his ways. And that's why I do my best uh, each week to make sure as much as I can possibly do that my sermons are not filled with my own advice, my own thoughts, my own opinions on things. I want to point you to the Bible, what God has said, because I recognize that I don't have any spiritual authority over you outside of what has been declared in Scripture. So that's the first time you need to disobey a human authority, when they cross a line, when they're trying to command you outside of the sphere of legitimate authority that they have in your life. Next, we should disobey human authorities when their commands conflict with God's commands. We as followers of Christ must disobey human authorities when they order us to do something that would be disobedience to God. When Caesar's orders are outside the bounds of God's commands, we must remember to whom we owe ultimate allegiance. God is our supreme authority. Human authorities can only tell us what to do within God's commands. And so we are to disobey them when they tell us to do something that contradicts the commands of our Lord. We'll not take the time to look at these examples, but a great little book in the Old Testament that exemplifies this is the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel and his friends had a great reputation in Babylon. They were known for their excellent spirit, their wisdom. Uh, Daniel chapter 1 tells us that Daniel had gained the favor of the authorities in his life. Uh, he really exemplifies the attitude that Proverbs calls the wise to. Uh, he had gained favor with the authorities in his life, so much so that when he asked them to basically change his diet, allow him to eat kosher meals, they listened to him. They granted his request. This was exactly what Proverbs says to do. He submitted to them, he respected them, and he gained their favor as a result. He had purpose in his heart that as a Jew, he wasn't going to break God's laws for Israel in eating the meat of the king's table. And because Daniel had such a reputation of happy submission, 
He didn't have to fight the leadership of the government. He just asked them if he could abide by his convictions. And after a little persuasion, they said, okay. And by the way, that happens to be another principle in Proverbs. Chapter 25, verse 15 says, With patience, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. So Daniel and his friends were very good examples of submission to human authorities. They exemplified the principles of Proverbs. They gained favor. They had a good reputation among their leaders. But later in the book of Daniel, there were times when the leaders of the government had to be disobeyed because they started commanding them to do things that violated the commands of God. For example, the famous story of the fiery furnace. King Nebuchadnezzar tells all of the people in Babylon to bow down before this idol that he had made of himself. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we can't do that. God told us not to worship any idols. And so they were willing to face the consequences of civil disobedience. Later in the book of Daniel, King Darius, you remember, decrees throughout Babylon, no one's allowed to pray anymore to anyone except me. And Daniel again says, I can't do that. God has commanded me to pray to him. And so even if it's against the law, I'm going to do it anyways. So go ahead and feed me to the lions. And so in this one little book, we have then these clear guidelines for us in our thinking about submission. We should submit to our leaders happily as an act of worshipful submission to God, unless they tell us to do something that God forbids, or they tell us not to do something that God commands. If they say, bow down to this idol, we are to ignore them and obey God. If they tell us, don't pray anymore, we are to ignore them and obey God. In the book of Acts, we see this exemplified for us again. The apostles are arrested by the governing authorities in Jerusalem, and they're commanded to stop preaching the gospel. Don't talk about Jesus anymore. It is now against the law. And Peter says in response, Acts 5.29, Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. This is the same Peter who wrote that we are to be subject to all human rulers. But he understood that we submit to them ultimately as an act of submission to God's authority. And so when they cross the line and they begin telling us to do something that isn't compatible with obedience to God, we are to disobey them because God is the higher authority. So if your boss, your husband, your government leader tells you to do something that conflicts with the commands of Christ, they've just exceeded the level of authority that they have over you. You cannot obey that order and worship God. And ultimately, that's the only reason that we are to submit. We do so in submission, ultimately, to the Lord. I am to submit to human authorities insofar as they are staying in their lane. Uh, but at the same time, there should be such a consistent pattern of excellent submission throughout our lives that in those rare instances in which we have to say, I can't obey that command, that should be shocking. Christians should have a reputation of respectful submission to human authorities. We should be known as the best citizens. Uh, we ought to be the best employees. So that when we must disobey, we do so with a Daniel attitude, not trying to be a jerk about it, I just can't do that. God has ultimate authority over my life. And again, this principle applies in the church as well. Uh, as I've said, the head of the church isn't the pastor. The head of the church is Christ. 
We submit to pastors ultimately in submission to God, which means, again, if a pastor ever tries to tell you something that conflicts with what Christ has told you, forget the pastor and do what God says. You ought to obey God rather than man. This is true of all authorities in our lives. Once again, we close this morning by considering how Jesus exemplified the wisdom of Proverbs in this area. We've seen throughout the book of Proverbs that Jesus is our example of wisdom. He is the wisdom of God in human flesh. And in this area of submission to authority, again, we see Jesus as our example. We've seen some of it already in the fact that Jesus paid his taxes. He respected and submitted to the laws of the Roman government. But beyond that, in Luke chapter 2, verse 51, we read that Jesus went down with them, speaking of Joseph and Mary, he came to Nazareth, and he was submissive to them. Jesus submitted to the authority of his earthly parents. As a boy, he recognized that they had authority over him, and so he modeled what submission should look like. And he even humbly submitted to human authorities, and all of that was, again, ultimately an act of worshipful submission to his father. Philippians 2, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Every day of Jesus' life was lived in perfect submission to his Father. And that's the example that all of us ought to be seeking to emulate. We submit to human authorities in our lives because ultimately we serve Christ. Ultimately, all of our submission is an act of worship to our God. Let's pray together.